0: Well, turning your Bible to the book of Revelation, I've got a lot of the verses that we're going to look at are going to be up on the board, so you don't have to be flipping everywhere, but you can just go ahead and turn to the very first of it. We're finishing this morning our study of this last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It's a special time. We're just going to get a big overview. Here's what it's called. The title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this, verse 1 starts off by saying, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, the Father, gave to him, to the Son, Jesus, to show his bondservants, the things which must soon take place. He sent, Jesus sent, and communicated by his angel and to his bondservant, John. So the Father to the Son, the Son to an angel, an angel, basically, to John. And so this is how it worked. God the Father to the Son, Jesus Christ to the angel, the angel to John, and John to us. So basically, John wrote to the seven churches basically when he wrote this back in 95 AD. But... It's in the Bible, it's ours, and it's come together. So we have the whole thing. We get to do it. It's a great study. We've seen the end time events. Um, it, 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 let me let me remind you of how it fits together. We're going to, as this morning, we're going to talk about uh, so we can understand the theme of the book, know the end time events, and see the flow. When we started the study, it's been over a year, when we started the study, we told you that there are people who will tell you that you can't understand the book of Revelation, that you can't, it, it's too hard, and it doesn't make sense, and all this, but we found over the month. It's going verse by verse, passage by passage, that you can understand it, that it does fit together, that we can see God's word, and we see, see how it fits together. So it is true. Now, a lot of people, they'll say, well, the book of Revelation wasn't really written for us. It was written for first century people, or it doesn't tie together. But the truth is, it does tie together in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we, we looked at this book, and let, let me just show you something about why, why we should even study this book. Now, it gives us a blessing when we study the book of Revelation. Notice this. This is at the very beginning of the book. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Three things. Not only do you read the book of Revelation, which we've read it, we hear the book of Revelation, which means we're open to it and understand it, and then we heed the things. That means we apply them. And so just like any of the Bible, we're supposed to study it and apply it and then pass it on in the book of Revelation. He says there's going to be a blessing to a person that actually studies it, looks at it, understands it, and seeks to make application. So that's what we've tried to do over all these times. We have seen uh, Jesus Christ is our God and Savior. He judges the world, he's gonna be the judge. He comes and he separates the believers from the unbelievers, that's what happened, but he is also the king of kings and lord of lords and he rules in righteousness and justice. And so we're seeing, and what's so amazing, that we're seeing the future in this book. We're seeing what's gonna happen after we're taken out this tribulation, the kingdom, the eternal state. We're gonna see all of those things. So the book of Revelation is incredible. It's the last book in the Bible, the book that gives us the future. Uh, The book is called Revelation, not Revelations. I remember one time somebody came to me and said, oh, y'all are studying Revelations. I said, no, we're studying Revelation. The book's called the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The word Revelation means unveiling, unveiling of the end time events. It was written by John the Apostle. He's the brother of James. If you remember of the 12 Apostles, there was James and John, and that's who he is. He's the youngest one of all of the Apostles. Uh, He was pretty young when he was with Jesus. He lives all the way. He lived at least 60 years past Jesus when Jesus died in around 33. This was written in about 95. In fact, I think I've got the next slide that says This was written in about 95 AD from the island of Patmos. If you remember... (coughs) Uh, John was standing for Jesus Christ, and when he stood for Jesus Christ, the emperor hated him because he heard about it, so he had him exiled into this little island, which is sort of like like an Alcatraz. It was a place that they put prisoners, and John was out there, and while he was out there, he received the revelation of Jesus Christ, what we call the book of Revelation. John wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote the gospel of John, first, second, and third John, and the book of Revelation. This book has what they call apocalyptic language, which means symbolic and unveiling language. People hear the word apocalypse, and they think it means judgment or tragedy or something. Apocalypse means the idea of unveiling, the idea of something being made known. So when we looked at the book of Revelation, we really divided it. We had two different outlines that we wanted to look at. If you remember at the very beginning, this was the handout that we gave you, the little card, it's out there now. You can still pick it up if you don't have it. On one side, it talked about who wrote it and when and all that. On the other side was an outline which gave introduction, what you've seen, the things are, the things that will take place, those kind of things. So that was an outline that I gave you to give you an idea of as we go through the book, how it fits together. There was another outline based on Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, where Jesus told John... Write down the things you have seen, write down the things that are, and write down the things that shall be. And so chapter one was what he saw about Jesus. Chapters two and three were the two of the churches. And then chapters four on were all this future things that's going, that's going to happen. And so that's where we are. We've seen both outlines. And I think the, the one that really fits the book, of course, is Revelation 1, verse 19. When we look at it, we can see three things. What you have seen, that's his view of Jesus, the things that are, that was the seven churches in existence when John wrote the book, and the things that will take place, that's the future. Let me break it down for you sort of in a simple way. What you have seen is chapter one, that's Jesus. The things that are, chapters two and three, the churches. And then the things that will take place, chapters four through 22. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to start off and I'm going to go with not details, but I'm going to take you through the book quickly, not details. Then we're going to come back and we're going to go some more details as we take you through the book so you can see how it fits together. We start off with the things you have seen. John is on the island of Patmos because of his stand for Jesus Christ and what are the things that he saw? That day, John said he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That means he was in fellowship with God and he was worshiping God. Lord's day is the first day of the week at Sunday. He heard a voice. And something behind him. It was light. And when he turned around, he saw this figure there, surrounded by these these uh, lampstands. And of course, it's Jesus. And that's what he sees. And so he says, "The things that you have seen," he said, "I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me." And I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, that means they were in a circle around him, in the middle I saw one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, wrapped around his chest, a golden sash. He saw Jesus standing there. It was incredible. And it was an amazing thing. And then it says, look what happens. He says, later on, he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me. Would you? Imagine Jesus taking his hand and touching you with it. He placed his right hand on me, and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. He said, I control death and Hades. I control everything. I have the keys. And then, this is what he's saying. Then Jesus says to him, therefore, write the things which you have seen, that's him, and the things that are, that's the churches, and the things which take place after these things. So that was the first part. That's what he saw. Then we saw the things that are, and in chapters two and three, he wrote seven letters to the seven churches of Asia. And there were seven churches. These are churches that existed at the time that John was alive. And God said, write to these churches. And these are the churches. And this is what we've seen. He wrote to the church at Ephesus, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Sardis, Thyatira, Pergamos, and Smyrna. Now on this map, you can't see it, there's a, in between where this little island is and where Ephesus is was the, the Isle of Patmos which was like just a little bitty place and they put prisoners out there and that's where John was when he got the revelation so he's supposed to write what he saw what is going on right now that's the letters to the churches and then he's going to write to the things that will take place and that's chapters 4 through 22 which is the end time events now, there are three big things that tie into this In chapters 4 and 5, he goes up to heaven. In chapters 6 through 19, he's on the earth seeing the tribulation. In chapters 20 through 22 is the kingdom and the eternal state. And of course, if you've been with us in the last three to four or five weeks, you've seen we've gone through the kingdom and the eternal state, seeing it verse by verse. Let me remind you, in chapters 4 and 5, his view in heaven, he saw Jesus on the throne. He saw the father on the throne. It was incredible. We're going to talk more about it later. But let me just remind you, he he saw this throne and someone sitting on it was the father, but it didn't look like a person necessarily. It was something there. He could tell it was a person, but something, but you could almost see through this one. And then right beside him came a lamb that had been slain. And that was the Son, Jesus Christ, and around them was these these uh, fire, this fire, and it was the, the Holy Spirit, and then there were these twenty-four elders. We'll talk about more later, and then there were these li- these uh, beings, these angels, and so he saw all of that, and that was what he saw in heaven. And so look what it says here. It says uh, uh, verses. Let me go back again. In verses four and five, what he saw chapters four and five, what he saw in heaven. Then in chapter six through nineteen, what he saw on the earth, that's the tribulation. Chapters nineteen and twenty, the return of Christ and the thousand year reign of Christ. And then chapters twenty one and twenty two, the eternal state, new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, eternal state with Jesus. That's what we've seen. That that's the big overview. I wanted you to see that. Now, let me give you something to help you put it together, and then we'll go some more details. This is the end time chart. Now, out there, we have that thing, the handout that you can have for the book of Revelation. I also have this chart out there. On one side, it's this, and it's got numbers. And on the other side, the numbers tell you what's going on. But I want you to understand that this this is Jesus. This is Old Testament over here. Jesus comes to the earth, dies on the cross, pays for sin, rises again, and goes back to heaven. So this is the first coming of Jesus Christ. He came to die. He came to be the savior of the world, and he died and rose again for us. He ascended to heaven. Uh, 10 days after he ascends into heaven, the church begins. That's us. We're the body of Christ. Jews and Gentiles together in one body. It was a mystery, never talked about before. That's why it's so unique and special. This is us. The next event, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. Now, this is coming to the earth. This is coming in the clouds. He's going to come and he's going to take us off the face of the earth. He's going to come and take the church off the face of the earth. It says, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain, be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. This is to the earth This is in the air. The church will be taken off the face of the earth. After the church is taken off the face of the earth, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be things. And then this man's going to come to power, which we call him the Antichrist. He's called the beast that rises out of the sea. In the book of Revelation, he makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel for seven years. That's called the tribulation. We'll talk more about why it's seven years and how it fits in a minute. And then halfway through, he claims to be God. There's great persecution. They're trying to kill all the Jewish people who are believers and everything. And then at the end, and we saw, and this is the, most of the book is chapter six through 19. That's right there. And then at 1911, Jesus Christ, I don't mean time, 1911. I mean in verse, Revelation 19, verse 11, here comes Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to the earth. notice. First coming to the earth... Second coming to the earth, coming in the clouds for us. So first coming, he died. Second coming, he's coming as the king. He will rule for a thousand years, set up a kingdom. At the end of the thousand years, there's a thing called great white throne judgment. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Over here's the judgment seat of Christ. That's for us. Here's the unbelievers. And then he goes, at the end of the kingdom, we go into eternity. That is the flow of end times. That is found in the book of Revelation. It is also found throughout the Bible. If you said, I want to be, able to put together end time events, you must put together the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, Matthew 24 and 25, Ezekiel 38, uh, Zechariah chapter 14, first and second Thessalonians. Those are passages and places that if you can put those together, you'll be able to do this right here and you'll be able to understand how the Bible fits together. Okay, so anyway, that's the flow. So here's what we see we see that there are three key places in the book of Revelation. In heaven, chapters four and five, on earth, the tribulation, chapters six through 19, and then the kingdom and the eternal state, chapters 19 through 22. Well, let's get some details, okay? So you're okay, right? So think about it. Chapter one, he saw Jesus. Chapters two and three, he writes the seven letters. Chapters four and five, he goes up to heaven. Chapters six through 19, he sees everything on the earth, the tribulation. Chapters 19, Jesus comes back. Chapter 20, Jesus rules for a thousand years. Chapters 21 and 22, the the eternal state. That's the flow of the book. You've got it. If somebody tells you, you can't know the book of Revelation, just say, would you like me to go through the chapters for you? Because you can. You know it. You can put it together. The Bible makes sense and it fits. So with that in mind, let's let's take a little bit of time and let's go through these with a little bit more details. And so he is taken up to heaven. This is the first part, chapters four and five. Look what we see, the throne of God. And immediately, I was in the spirit. This is John talking. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven. And the one on the throne, one sitting on the throne. As we said a while ago, he sees the father sitting on the throne. He sees the lamb beside him. He sees the spirits around, the Holy Spirit around. He sees these four living creatures. He sees 24 elders. We'll talk more about it. Then he sees angels, angels, millions of angels. He just sees them all. This is what he saw when he was taken up there. And he saw all of that. He saw the father sitting on the throne and then Revelation 4 4, around the throne were 24 elders, uh, 24 thrones. And upon the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now we talked about it, but at, around the throne of God will be 24 thrones. And of those thrones, there are 24 elders. Now we think they're symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the church, which means the nation of Israel and the body of Christ coming together to be around the throne of God. That's what we think. And they're all sitting there uh, clothed in white garments, which is the idea of, of perfection and heavenliness and that we're righteous and those kind of things. And then look what happens. It goes on to say, and before the throne was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, And in the center around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in the front and behind. So as he sees the throne and the father and the lamb and the spirit and the 24 elders, and he sees these four living creatures, and he says, it looked like a sea of glass. It looked like the water was so smooth, it looked like glass, but he didn't grasp it. He, He said, wow, and he saw these creatures, and these four living creatures... Uh, by the way, one had like a face of a man, and one had the face of like of a bird, and one had the face of like of a cow. And I mean, they, they and they had these wings, and they're flying, by, saying, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God!" And they're flying around, and 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 they got eyes all over them. And we we know those are angels that are at the throne of God. And so He sees all of this, and it's just amazing. And so, what happens? What were they doing? The four living creatures, the angels. What are they all doing? They're worshiping God. Notice. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever, and they will cast their crowns before the throne. And so John sees these 24 elders, which I think represent us and the nation of Israel, and we take our crowns, our rewards that God has given to us, and we lay them down. And some people say that means we, we give up our rewards. No, I don't think that at all because the rewards that he gives us deal with our places of service. I think it's saying this, that whatever you do, whenever you get to serve God, one day when you stand before God, you could say to him, everything I did was because of you. You saved me, you gave me the Holy Spirit, you gave me the Bible, you gave me spiritual gifts, you gave me fellow believers, you put me in opportunities, you gave me the opportunity to earn rewards. So I think that's true. When you stand before God, you don't say, here's what I did, we'll say, here's what you did through me. Thank you, Lord. That's what we're gonna say, and I think that's what they do. So that's in the heavens. Now, can you imagine that? Now, there's a throne there. We already have seen that in the, in the eternal state, we saw this last couple of weeks, in the eternal state, there is the throne of God. There's not a temple, there's the throne, and the Father's on the throne, and the Son's there, and there's a river of the water of life flowing out from that throne. So that throne that John saw in heaven will also be in the new heavens, and the new earth, and we'll see it. From there, let's go to the earth and the tribulation, and that's chapters 6 through 19. Now, let me remind you, we now moved from John being up in here to right here, this seven-year time period. God told the nation of Israel they would have 490 years to do a certain responsibility. At the 483-year mark, Jesus died. They still have seven years. The tribulation is that final seven years. I want you to understand that the tribulation is dealing with the nation of Israel, not the church, not us, we're gone. And so that's why it's seven years. And there's judgments there. And let me just tell you, there were the seven seal judgments, which is at the first, the seven trumpet judgments, and the seven bowl judgments. They all fit in there. And I wanted to remind you of something. If you remember when we studied it, he actually says, and the first seal was this, and this happened, and the second seal, and the third seal, and the fourth seal, and then he says the first trumpet, and the second trumpet. All of those things happen. This is a chart that Dr. <clears throat> Constable at Dallas Seminary, when my, he's one of my professors there. He put this together and he just he reminded us that chapter six basically gives us the seven seals and it gives us the entire tribulation in one chapter. It's a big overview. And it ends with Jesus coming back. Then later on, there are seven trumpet judgments. We think that the best look at them as they start in the second half of the tribulation, and they get through when Jesus comes back. Then there's the bowl judgments. They're in there. We see what happens, and they end with Jesus coming back. So what we see is all of these go on, but they all end. They all come together when Jesus returns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, let me give you the flow of the tribulation. You've seen this before, and I'm going to talk through it fast. So, uh, you know, w- w- you can, if you really want more details, you can go back and look at the study. But here's the, the flow of the tribulation. The tribulation is seven years. It's called the 70th week of Daniel, seven years. And at the beginning, there is a man which we call the Antichrist, the Bible in the book of Revelation calls him the beast. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. That was prophesied in Daniel 9, 27. He's gonna make a peace pact with Israel. Let me remind you, and we don't know when all this is gonna exactly happen, there's gonna be a 10 king federation, there's gonna be three kings, and then one man will come to power, that's the Antichrist or the beast. That's the best way to look at it. We know that some of that could be happening before we're taken out, but we're going to be taken out and then there'll be a peace pack made for the Antichrist with the, with the nation of Israel. And he's going to do that. And when that starts, it'll begin with peace, followed by war, followed by famine, followed by death. In the first Three and a half years, a hundred and forty-four thousand Jewish people, Jewish men, will believe in Jesus Christ as for eternal life, twelve thousand from each of the twelve tribes, and they will scatter out all over Israel, proclaiming the message. And during this tribulation time period, the nation of Israel as a whole will believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. If you remember, when Jesus came the first time, the nation of Israel as a whole rejected Jesus Christ. There were many Jewish people who believed in Jesus, but as a nation, they rejected him. During the tribulation, as a nation, they will believe in Jesus for eternal life. It begins with 144,000 Jews, and it will be spread out. Also, in this first three and a half years, there are two witnesses that are found in Jerusalem, and they proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. They get killed. They lay in the streets for three and a half days. The unbelievers make fun of them, and then suddenly God gives life into them and sends them into heaven. Now, that's all in the first three and a half years. Suddenly, halfway through, this man who made a covenant now goes into the temple of Jerusalem, puts an idol of himself up in there, and declares that he is God and that he must be worshiped. And that is called the abomination desolation. It was found in Daniel. It's also found in Matthew. Jesus actually taught exactly what was going to happen. And from that point on, it is terrible. Jewish people are running for their lives. If you don't take the mark of the beast... Either here or here, you can't buy or sell anything, and he's killing people. I mean, it's just horrible, horrible, horrible. And, and that's the last part is called the great tribulation. All those judgments are happening. At the very end comes Jesus. The nation of Israel believes in Jesus as their Messiah and their Savior, and they call upon the name of the Lord, and when they call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus comes back as the King of kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the overview of the tribulation. That's just kind of a, a big overview. I wanted you to see it. Now, I want you to look at a couple of things about this Antichrist guy. This is the Second Thessalonians. He tells us, let no one deceive you in any way. Somebody had gone into the Thessalonians where Paul had gone through on his second missionary journey, led them to Christ, taught them about the end time events. Somebody came after Paul and told them that the rapture had already happened and they were left behind. And they went, what you talking about? We can't be left behind. And so Paul found out and he wrote to them and he said, let no one deceive you. First of all, nothing's going to happen until the apostasy comes and the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, is revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, that's during the tribulation, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that? while well, I was with you. I was telling you these things. He'd already taught him this. He says, there's going to be the man of sin coming. He told the, he said, don't worry about it. You, you haven't missed the rapture. This is going to happen after you're gone. And this is the mark of the beast. Look at this. This is what he does. He will cause as the antichrist, the beast, he causes all small and great, rich and poor, free and slaves, to be given a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. And he decreed that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the numbers that of a man. His number is 666, 666. Six, six. In the tribulation that believing Jewish people and other believers will not take the mark of the beast. They will run for their lives. Many of them will be killed. Unbelievers will believe that the beast is God, and they will take the mark of the beast, okay? And so that's what we're going to see. So that's what happens on the earth. Now, let's go to the heaven, to the kingdom and the eternal state. And let me remind you, this is where the kingdom comes in. We've seen Jesus die and rise again. First, that's his first coming. The church, the rapture in the air, the tribulation, his second coming. And when he came, the second time he comes to set up the kingdom. First time he came to die, second time he comes to reign. So let's see the kingdom. And we saw that for a while. And we saw the heavens open. Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. That's Jesus coming back. Now, when we studied this in the book of Revelation, as we got to that part, we were rejoicing. We were glad. Because we are going to be taken off the face of the earth, be with Jesus, and when he comes back to the earth to set up the kingdom, we are coming with him. And look what this says. And on his robe, and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. That's who he is. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who rules in righteousness and justice. That's who he is. And he will rule for a thousand years. In Revelation 20 verse four, he will rule for a thousand years. And then when the thousand years is over, he's going to bring the unbelievers together. He's going to raise every unbeliever from the dead and they're going to stand before him. as what's called the great white throne judgment. Notice this. I saw a great white throne and he who sat upon it, and whose presence in earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And what you find is this, that unbelievers stand before God, the books are open, which are their deeds, not their sins, their deeds, and none of their deeds can measure up, and the books of life are open, the book of life is open, their names are not found written in the book of life, and they're cast into the lake of fire. I want you to understand of all of humanity they're either those who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life and they're in the book of life, those who have rejected Jesus Christ and they are not in the book of life. So the great white throne judgment is for the unbelievers. From there, we went to the eternal state and we saw the holy city, the river of the water of life, the tree of life, and the throne of God. It's so incredible. I put this chart up last week. I wanted to remind you my professor... Once again, Dr. Constable put this, and he said, look at the contrast between the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, and the book of Revelation, the last. The heavens and earth are created, there's a new heaven and earth. The sun was created, no need of the sun. The night was established, no night. The seas were created, no more seas. The curse was announced, no more curse. Death entered history, no more death. Man driven from paradise, man restored to paradise. Sorrow and pain begin. no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. You understand that one day you will be with Jesus Christ forever in a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem. And there'll be no need of a son because he will light everything up. There will be no pain, sorrow, death, anything. We will be with him forever. Now with this amount of that, I just want to end up with showing you something about the returns of Jesus to make sure you've got this because a lot of people are confused. There are, there are three times Jesus comes. First coming to the earth, second coming to the earth, the coming to the clouds, the rapture. So let me remind you. He came to the earth the first time to die. He was born in Bethlehem. Uh, age 12 was in Jerusalem. Age 30 began the ministry and then died for us, paying for sin and rose again. He came the first time to die. He comes the second time as the king of kings and the Lord of lords to rule in righteousness and justice. These are both to the earth. In between, there's the rapture, and the rapture is in the clouds. Let me remind you. Here's his first coming to die. Here's his second coming to reign. In between, he comes in the clouds. He does not come to the earth. They are not the same. The second coming of Jesus and the coming of the rapture are not the same. He comes in the clouds and takes the church out. When he comes, the second coming, he comes to the earth and sets up the kingdom. I just want you to be able to understand that and understand how it fits together. Now, what about us? Well, there's gonna be rewards we're going to stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be recompensed, to be rewarded for the things that we've done. We will stand before Jesus Christ. Romans 14 says the same thing. We'll give an account. When you stand before Jesus, each one of us individually, it will not be for sin. All the sins of mankind have been placed on Who? on Jesus. We'll never stand before God for sin. We'll stand before God for our works. Were we faithful? Did we serve him faithfully? If we do, he'll say, well done. If we didn't, we'll be ashamed. But that's where we're going to stand. That's the judgment seat of Christ. The second one is the great white throne judgment. I mentioned that to you a while ago. But unbelievers, once again, they do not stand before God for their sins. They stand before God for their deeds, and it shows them that their deeds cannot put them in the book of life. The only way you can be in the book of life is by faith. And that's what they realize then. And, and and of course they've tried to they've rejected and done things all the way through. So let me remind you as we end this that a great truth is salvation. This is all the way through the Bible, and even in the book of Revelation, salvation is not by our works, but by faith in Jesus Christ the lamb. Here's the final offer in the Bible of salvation. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. The spirit and the bride, the Holy Spirit and the church, Tell people, come to Christ. Let the one who hears, the one who's listening, come to Christ. Let the one who's thirsty, come to Christ. Let the one who wishes, come to Jesus. Take the water of life without cost. There may be some of you out here who thought, the only way to go to heaven is try to be good or do this or do that or do this. Listen, you can't do anything to go to heaven. Not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy does he save us. By grace you are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works lest anyone should boast. We do nothing to gain salvation. It is a gift. God offers it to us. Whoever believes will never perish, but have everlasting life. It is that simple. That's the bottom line. And that's the offer. Take the water of life without cost. Salvation is always by grace through faith. What is the story of the Bible? How the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16 and 17 together. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, not works, but believes, will never perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. Why did Jesus Christ come the first time? To die and be the savior. Why does he come the second time? To be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So as we've seen this book, it is blessing for reading and obeying. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ as the king of kings and believers will be with Jesus forever serving him. So let me quickly give you this. Let's proclaim the salvation message. You know it, it is faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life. Don't add to it, don't mess it up, don't confuse it. Help people to understand that they believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, he gives them that. It costs nothing, the water of life is without cost. Second, let's understand the end time events and how they fit together. You can understand it. You can know it. You can understand he came the first time to die and rise, and go back in there and be us, the church. And then the rapture, he comes to get us. You can understand the tribulation. You can understand he comes a second time as the king. You can understand he rules on this earth for a thousand years. Then there's the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ. We're not sure when that happens for us. It may be when we're raptured. We know this happens at the end of the thousand years and then we go into eternity. You can know and understand the end time events and you can be ready to give an answer to anyone for the hope that is within us. And finally, let's worship and serve our Savior. You know what you're going to do forever in, in, the, in the eternal state? It says, and we will serve him forever. Based on how you serve now will be your places of service in the kingdom and be your place of service in the eternal state. Serve him now so you can serve him later. Let's worship and serve our savior.